0: Want to talk, we've been talking about honor. And it started out with just as I started this message was just a one-week thing and then it's turned into two. It may go into three next week, and um, but I'm I'm excited as far as where, where the Lord just takes us because as we talk about honor, we talked last week about honor up, honor down, honor all around, and we talked about even our kids. So I'm gonna kinda of hit on the kids a little bit, you know, today in some of this, because we we want how many want a safe place for our children? you know, um, just in, uh, you know, America, the beautiful and all of that stuff, but I mean, just in the normal. Um, So I wanted to start out with this thing. Um, What is your main thing? What is the law of the house? And so I want us to think about that. When we talk about honor, we're also talking about placement. So what we give honor to, we have placement in our lives. In other words, position, um, uh, what speaks into our life. Uh, It produces, you know, whatever we give placement to, that spirit or whatever is on that. So we, we have to just, we want to honor, we want our kids to honor us, we want to honor our kids, you know, you want to honor your grandparents, your parents, and your family, and all of that stuff. So that just kind of goes without saying, but we want to, the, the Bible says that our, in our mouth is life and death. So we speak life, uh, our world is created in essence around what we're speaking, Say amen to that, because you're speaking life, or you can look at everything as negative Nelly, or you can start looking at things as positive Polly, or you can make up whatever name you want, but I mean, we begin to declare good things. So I want to talk about something that we, we can all understand. Again, we're talking about the spirit of honor, but in Ezekiel 43, chapter 43, verse 12, it says, in this basic law of the temple, absolute holiness, the entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. Uh, and he says it twice, um, it's the law of the house. So I want you to, uh, law of the temple, one version will say law of the house. And what I want us to understand is, you know, uh, just a, a, in essence a healthy fear of the Lord. Not, not afraid of God, but just of, out of respect and honor, that kind of thing. Um, what, what we end up doing sometimes, I mean, when I grew up going to church, I just thought, you know, some of the stuff at church was just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo, and probably you all did too, and some of it probably was, wasn't it? I mean, we we're kind of like, oh, I don't know who created that, you know, but uh, we, we kind of walked through all that, but the King, New King James, or the King James, says this is the law of the house. Ezekiel 43, 13 says these are the measurements of the altar. There's a gutter all around the altar, 21 inches deep, 21 inches wide, curb is nine inches wide around its edge, and this is the height of the altar. Now, in the King James, I'm going to read this, and then you're going to go, oh, I get it. These are the measures of the altar after the cubits. The cubit is a cubit and a hand breadth. Even the bottom shall be a cubit, a breadth uh, and a cubit. The border thereof, the edge of therefore around shall be a span, and this shall be the higher place of the altar. You read that, I'm like, I have no idea what I just read, almost. I mean, maybe you don't think that, but I'm, I'm thankful that there are some other things. that. So I, I started looking at this, and I want us to look at God's hand on our house. Not just the church house, but our individual houses and just how we walk and how we live and and all of that stuff. So, um, and I want us to get a perspective, a a grasp of that. So the most common measurement in the Bible is we just said this word is a man's hand and it's first mentioned, Noah talks about it because God gave him, I want you to build an ark and he started using this word. And so it's kind of like, ooh, the word is cubit. Everybody say cubit. Cubit is how they measured in Bible days. They didn't have lasers. They didn't have rulers. They didn't have 25-foot tape measures. They didn't have that. They had, this is the the measuring length they used. They they had it a cubit. So I looked that up, and and this is the dictionary says this. It's an ancient measure of length approximately equal to the length of a forearm. It's typically about 18 inches or 44 centimeters, though there was a long cubit about 21 inches or 52 centimeters. So this is what they measured. This is a hand breadth. So I mean, I, I just found this kind of interesting. So, I mean, it's great to come to church and learn something. So, I, you know, right. so I'm learning, and, and I'm showing you what I learned. Isn't this good? <laughs> we'll bring out the whiteboard in a minute. Um, this is a handbreadth. It is from one finger to the other. That is what the handbreadth was. So what they measured a cubit was from the crook of your elbow, and you can measure it, and you go here, one, two, three, and most everybody, you can try it, you're going to end up with about six, and the average is—it's not completely accurate, but it's pretty close. And so when they said one cubit, it was six handbreadths. It was—it was six of these. This would be a cubit. I did not know that. I thought I'm going to share that. So it kind of helps put in perspective if you're thinking about Noah and you're thinking about building an ark, and they're saying so many cubits. You know, Noah's not like, hey, give me that. Mm-hmm. All right, let it go yeah he's not doing that he's doing this one two you know i mean i don't know how he do, i mean how would you that would be kind of tough i mean it's kind of nice you got your own ruler right there with you but still measuring that so you know he had to go that so you can measure that it's not again completely accurate. Yeah, lacquer but six hand width is a cubit now god told noah to build an ark and he told him how many cubits to make it and in hebrew This, uh, the cubit, that means amma A-M-M-A-H, which means mother of the arm. In other words, like from here to here, especially your hand part is the mother of the arm. And in the Jewish synagogues, they teach your arm is also called in scripture the cubit of a man. So knowing what a cubit is and putting your hand, how many knows that the Bible backs up everything it says? So faith without works is dead. So you have to put action. So knowing all of that, Cubit, okay, mother of the arm. So if this is the mother, and and this is, you know, you've got to have the father of the arm, so to speak. Let's just go from this part up, the muscle. So you this is where your softball's at, or mosquito bite, depending on who you are.
1: <laughs> but that's
0: the muscle. So you uh <laughs> The, the, the mother part gives birth to it. It's, it's the thinking part. It's creative. It, it starts imagining. It starts thinking, I could do this, I could do that, or we could make this, and, and we could do that. But it has to be worked out. That, that, that idea has to come through the hands, through the muscle part, to make all of that function. So uh, if six cubits, and six is the number of man, God says that six days we're going to work, and then on the seventh day, that's my day, we're going to rest, it's not because he was tired, he's just, he was finished. Seventh day is completion. Um, but six is the number of human influence. So I, I want us to, stick, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to pull some stuff out here. Uh, what man can do. In other words, we, you know, man can influence. They've got, We've got great brains. God created your brain. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we use them. That's what you tell your kids, right? You gave your brain, use it. <laughs> I thought it was. Nope. So... Um, They've created wonderful things because they think them. I mean, we, we we know people in in the world we live in. They've created incredible empires, or or how did they invent some of? Who invented the law of lift for a plane to fly? I mean, like you know millions of. I don't know how much of tons of plane ways, but just come on. Or who you know who who first invented you know stuff like now this is just. Has anybody ever water skied? It is so cool. I taught all my kids how to water ski. And you know what's cool is it almost seems like you shouldn't be able to do this. Because when the boat pulls you up and you're like gliding on top of the water, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you're hitting water, so most of the time it doesn't hurt. Like, obviously, if you... I've never really snow skied. I think I've tried it once. But, I mean, just who... The stuff that man can create. The engine... The light bulb. I mean, start thinking of all the the mother of the arm that needed the the father of the arm. That, you know, had to put some some muscle with that, some action behind that. The dream becomes a reality. So John fifteen five says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing." The new living says it this way, I am the vine, you're the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is what Jesus is saying, and this is why I want to bring this about. He's saying he's not saying you can't do anything as, as people and humans that maybe don't know God and all of that. He's saying you're going to do great things, but what you're going to do without me will not have lasting value. He won't have eternal Depth to it. And so we've known a lot of people that can build great things and, and do amazing things, and I'm not saying they didn't do the world any good, but we need, God says we have to be connected to him. We need that part that stays with God. Now think about this. If six is the number of man, man's influence in six, and we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about it in just a second, we need still God's hand on us. Jesus is just saying, without me, you can do nothing. It's not that you're absolutely helpless. It's just eternally for significant spiritual value for it to be carried on to your children or your children's children. You need God. That's what he's saying. Without God, it doesn't have eternal consequence. You you have to put God in this mix. It's not going to be spiritually lasting without God. Six represents human involvement. Human-level input, six hand-breadths, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, the greatness is built on that of man, I can, you know, what man can do. Remember the Tower of Babel, we're going to build this tower. We're gonna, I mean, man can do a lot of stuff. And there are a couple kinds of cubits in the Bible. There's the natural, you know, like, hey, this is, this is the measuring stick for how to build this ark. This is how many inches this needs to be or this, you know, the length of your arm here. This is how many cubits. And there's also God is implying in Ezekiel another kind that we read that's kind of a spiritual measurement of a cubit. <laughs> it's sacred or it, you know we just Ezekiel shown a vision God says he wants him to build a house that will endure. He's not talking here now about physical measurement, he's talking about spiritual measurement that will make the house last. Okay? a house that its children will be blessed and they will call it blessed and that will be the key that God's hand will be on it. He's, he's saying the law of the house. What's the main thing? What's the law of the house? If we're going to honor, what's the law of the house? Now notice there's a cubit and how many handbreadths is a cubit? Six, okay? And one more to six makes seven. So six is the number of man. That's what he can do. And then God is going to add one more hand. He's going to put his hand on it because you're going to do what God is asking. And, he's going to put, and So it's going to be six plus one, and it's seventh. We need that seventh hand. We need that hand of God on our lives. Can you imagine the power and the width? Uh, the, uh, you know, look at my hand. You know, just What if Jesus said, let me show you my hand in a cubit. I mean, it's going to have a big hole in it. But how cool... God, you're putting your hand with mine. Have you ever gotten a circle and everybody, hands in a circle, let's go. Played football or played a sport or whatever, you know, and then on three, you know, and and Jesus is saying, if you're gonna do what I'm asking, if you're going to obey me, I'm gonna put my hand on that and your sixth hand and mine make seven. That's huge. But let me just say, in a pandemic... You need that seventh hand when you you know when when it's just like dear God I don't know what to do you know and there's people you got to wear a mask you don't have to wear a mask you no 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 are they going to start oh there, there's no toilet paper anymore give me the seventh hand we were going to give toilet paper out for guests I like that church <laughs> they're giving us TP. <laughs> Back in my day, toilet paper was so, we had so much, we threw it in trees. I got that from John. (laughs) Some of you are going, toilet paper and trees? It was, never mind. But the only way you're going to make your business, if you're going to follow God, you need God's hand in that circle. You need God saying, yes, do this, do that. I gave you that idea. I gave you that concept. Yes! The only way your children need to make it through this is in, in respect and honor. They need the seventh hand. They need to see God in the house. Do everything you can do. Do your sixth hand breaths. Do everything to the best of your ability. I'm going to do what I can do. You know what? I didn't have to tell my wife. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to make the breakfast for the it's just like she knew this is. What some of you know, because I was going off to work here and I was doing this and she was like, here's what I got to do now. And then we'd come home. Sometimes we'd just be like walking past each other doing this. Pow! She'd be like, tag team, you take them. It's what you know, but you have to have that seventh hand. You have to say, OK, God, I mean, does that mean Brett? Is this always going to be easy? Come on, life ain't easy. I mean, it, it is. How we look at it and how we present it and all that I get that but still you got to walk it out. It's going to take that hand of God to make it. when we do what God's asking to us to do when we, when we are obedient to him and we're raising our children to the best of our ability and we're, we're, you know, we're giving, we're doing everything he's telling us to do. We're helping one another. We're praying for our church. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for our families. We're, we're doing all that God's telling. Then his hand is saying, yes. We're holding back those levels of darkness. I mean, we know all kinds of people on the movie screen or Or that are whether they're movie stars or maybe even in your life, it seems like they they had it all or they have it all. And yet, you know, they have all kinds of money and all kinds, and and it's not bad to have money, but if money has you, then you can't really. And 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 their life is a shambles. They can't keep it together. They're they're having trouble with all of these, you know, because they need that seventh hand. They need to honor God. They need to go back to what is the main thing? What is, what is the law of the house? We need that supernatural hand, that seventh hand of God. Remember Elijah in 1 Kings 18 the entire region had been in a drought for three and a half years. No rain, and they needed it badly. Crops, I mean, it's just like, it's bad. So Elijah tells the servant, he said, Hey, listen, go over here and look up in the sky. You tell me when it starts to rain. So he sends him, and the guy comes back and he says, I don't see anything. Elijah keeps praying, he sends him again. Now, you need to understand during this whole time, Elijah's still praying. He's getting a negative report. Can I get a witness? But he's still praying. He's still coming back. I don't see anything. Go again. Two times, three times, four times, five times, six times. He's still not seeing what he's believing to happen. And yet, he still prays. Because what is the law of the house? What is the main thing? You see, when you know what the law of the house is, you cannot be moved by pandemics. You are steadfast. So he says he sends him one more time. Six, and one more, seven. And he comes back, he says, I see a cloud rising up that's the size of a man's fist. Isn't it something? A seventh hand. Elijah says, you better get, you better get going because the rain's gonna stop the chariot. Now, we just had a downpour here not too long ago. And it, they said, I don't know how many inches it, it put down on the ground in just a short amount of time. And, you know, streets were flooded, the sewers couldn't take this, and basements were flooded, and all of that kind of stuff. Can you imagine, you know, in a matter of minutes, you can't get a chariot through? Now, we, we lived out where Malone's lived. You'll love this. Mal had a little car. It was a two-seater Honda. And she decided that one road floods. Well, they, and then they put some stuff up It didn't flood as bad. She thought, if I go fast enough, I can make it. Help me, Jesus. She, she, she got halfway out there and it became, you know, no, her car's dead. It's pretty well, you know, she's like got water up to her window and some guy comes wading out there. Do you think you can make it? And Mal's like, oh. So this is what he's saying. You got to get there because this is going to stop you. When you've done all you can do, You keep believing, and you thank God for the seventh hand. You thank God that he's coming on the scene. When you don't see him, he's still coming. Elijah didn't have to go see for himself. He sent somebody else because he knew what was going to happen because he didn't stop praying. Somebody say seven. It's the seventh hand that does it. Seven is the number of completion. It's our job, yes, to pray for our family, pray for our kids, pray for uh, our nation, our country, teach our kids about honor up, honor down, honor all around, pray uh, for the leaders, pray for our uh, the boundaries and have order in our house. It's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. When we've done our part and, and we're spent, you ever been spent? Like I said, sometimes Kim just come in, we just... You know, maybe I've had a rough day. What I love now is she's at the office with me. So that's the coolest. But I mean, before, back in the day, we didn't think, I guess they didn't think that was appropriate or something. I don't know. That was part of the religious mumbo jumbo, I suppose. But whatever, you know, but I mean, but we needed actually her. She really couldn't. She needed to kind of be that influence in the house. So that doesn't mean if you work and you're not there, for, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying for our situation, that's what was working. But we, you know, there's times we've been spent and you just need that seventh hand. Now, I grew up in the era of WWF, World Wrestling Federation, 24 inch pythons, brother. Hulk Hogan and, you know, and Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, Superfly Snuka and you know, what all. And my dad, to this day, if he was sitting right here, he still watches wrestling. How many? Re- Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, you know. But what happens in one of those double tag team matches and somebody's getting... Beat And it's like the good guys are just getting beaten and, and they're just wailing on him and wailing on him. And there's one guy in the corner that he's you know, he's a superstar and he's reaching out. He's like, tag me, tag me. And he, every time he tries to get back, somebody grabs that guy, sw- pulls him back. And you're like, oh, and he's trying to get to him and they stop him. And sooner or later, when the momentum is clear up to here, He tags him, and the guy jumps over, and he's like this, and the crowd just goes berserko. That's what sometimes it feels like. You feel like you're spent. Every time you try to get, you take one step forward, five steps back. Do you ever feel like that? As soon as I try to do something, I'm trying to do this. You know, it's just like, ah, But sooner or later, if you can hold on, if you can say, you know what, God is bigger than this. God is bigger than a fence. He's bigger than all of this stuff. He's bigger than any pandemic. You can make the tag because the seventh hand is on the way. And he, I can just, can you just see Jesus jumping over those ropes? Let's go. That's probably a word picture you don't need, but you know. (laughs) <laughs> I can't get that out of my mind. <laughs> you that are watching online, thank you so much for joining us. First Kings eighteen forty-four. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Elijah said, hurry, Ahab. Tell him, climb into your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Proverbs 22, 5 says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. The King James says that train up a child in the way they would go. Direct your children. The foundation is what you lay. What are you trying to tell me, Brett? I'm telling you that life isn't always fruitcakes and roses, is it? No. You know, I feel like Rocky, you know, it's not always... It will hit you and hit you hard. It's not how you can get hit. (laughs) but What I'm trying to tell you is you lay the foundation. And though sometimes when you're kids, you've laid that foundation and they grow up and they're like, You know what? And they're i I don't want to do any of that. And you're not, no, I'm not going to believe God. I'm not going to church. I'm not going. I'm telling you, listen to what I'm telling you. Train up a child in the way they'll go. Direct them in that path. Because when they try to go to the clubs and they try to go to the bars, will they go? They can go. But I'm telling you, there's still a seventh hand that's following them all around because it'll just stay on them and stay with them. Because yes, they have a free will. Yes, they can do what they want. But because of mama and daddy, because of grandpa and grandma, because of aunts and uncles, Because the people that said, God, 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 intervene. There is a seventh hand that's following them. And sooner or later, it's going to grab them by the neck of the neck. And it's going to pull them back and sit them down in the house of God. Because somebody laid the foundation. You need the seventh hand. I'm thankful for a mom praying. I'm thankful I have a godly mom. I'm thankful I have a godly dad. I'm thankful I have godly grandma. I'm thankful for people that are in my life. I'm thankful for you all because you pray for us. Thank you to God for his faithfulness. Psalm 127.4 says, Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Now, I thought about that. Your children are like arrows. Now, I like arrow because my grandson's named arrow, so I like saying that, arrow, arrow, arrow. But they're in the hands of a mighty man. Let's say They're in the hands of mighty men and women of God. It symbolizes children being in your hand, and that seventh hand, think about that, is on the top of my hand, on the top of your hand, as we begin to raise our children. Help our kids reach their destiny. Arrows are... Or something they, they need shaped. They they need sharpened and they need shot or launched. So we have our kids for a time. Dads or they lead the house and both parents' job and they lead it together and they set the precedence. They they teach the kids honor up honor down honor all around. They teach them how to respect those in authority. They teach them the yeses and the noes in life. They give them boundaries. They shape their children. They teach them the importance of church and the things of God. They tell them that there is a battle for their life, for their soul. The enemy is real and there are real you need to be on guard for this. They must be aware because we have to launch them. We have to let them go. I don't have all the answers on how to do all that. I just know as we've launched some of our kids in our houses, it's a big house. Seems a little emptier. But yet, that's our job. As they've grown up and gotten married or We've had to launch and shoot them in the directions they were to go. If man and wife are the parents and that's the archer, the children are the arrows. Then prayer is the bow. Prayer is the one that pulls back. We are to pray for our kids. We're to never stop. And you know, as long as you know, I've heard my wife tell our kids, "I don't care how old you are, I'm always going to be your mother." That's a true statement. I'm always going to love you no matter what. I'm always going to pray for you. No matter what. They cannot reach their potential unless us as parents or grandparents or... If we don't pray and we don't... Let them see it in us and how we live. You know, in the beginning... I thought the kids would be with us for the rest of our life. I mean, in the house. Because it just seems that way. It's just like, and then when they get older, you're like, oh, remember when it was just us? I mean, it's still just us, but remember when you were you were little and you sat at the top of the steps and you swore I had an S on my chest and a cape behind me? Remember? All of those things, and then... They grow up, and you have to launch them. But no matter what, if they veer off course, remember that seventh hand, because they will be back, because your prayers won't stop. And sometimes just thinking about, wow. Now, we've asked ourselves, and you probably could say this too, if you could go back, would you do things different? I'm sure we would. Because we know things now we we really didn't know then. But we did the best of our ability. There's parts in movies they never saw because we fast forwarded through every one of them through just parts and they're like, and they saw it later and they're like, I never knew that happened. Oh, sorry. And it wasn't even a bad movie, but because they were so impressionable. I mean, seriously, I don't know about how your kids were, but my boys, impressionable. We let them watch The Three Stooges, mistake. They came back in the room holding each other's head and eyes. And I just used your hammer, dad. You know, stuff like you're like, no, that's not real. Because they couldn't differentiate. <laughs> you go up to my kid, salmon. And... <laughs> Come on. If God's gonna help you correct it, he's gonna help you do the right thing and he's going to help you when you've had enough, there's more than enough for God. He never gets tired. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He cares for you 24 seven, but he wants to be allowed to be the seventh hand. Who's gonna teach your kids if not you? Who's gonna show them The things of God? Who's going to show them courage, character, discernment, generosity, gentleness, honesty, kindness, obedience, humility, self control, patience, persistence, faithfulness, thriftiness? If you don't, who will? Who's going to teach them the zeal of the Lord and the fear of the Lord? Who's going to show them a good work ethic? Give them jobs to do, errands to run. Things, chores around the house. Teach them that work and success go hand in hand. They're connected. Put limits on your kids while you have them in your hands. We put limits on our kids. I mean, because they, I mean, they're awesome. They're awesome. We went one time, we went out of state. We went to visit some friends. So Pastor Kim and I, we were, uh, went and visited friends. Mallory was Three or four. Zach was just a baby. And so we were out of state. We were at their house. And it got to be about eight o'clock or something like that. I don't know. And we said, okay, it's time for bed. And Mal is just, she was, she was an awesome child. And Zach said, she was always awesome. Her halo lit up the room. You know. But Mal would be like, okay, I love you, Daddy. Love you, mommy. And we'd go in and we'd lay her down in the, the whatever we had, the crib or whatever we were using. And we did our prayers and all of that, and we came back out. And Kim had already put Zach down, and we came back out. And the, the couple—they had a son, and he's just like, you know, sheriff. Bing, ping, bing. He's bouncing off the walls, and they're looking at us with their mouths open. And they're like, "How did you do that?" And they and we looked. At other, we said, "Do what? Put them to bed." I said, "Well, I picked her up. I walked in the other room." You know, and they said, "I'm serious." The the mother goes, we don't get any sleep. And we're like, why? Because he won't go to bed. What do you mean he won't go to bed? He won't go to bed. He's up till 11, last night till 2 or 3 in the morning. We're exhausted. Put boundaries on your kids. You're the boss, applesauce. I mean, we just like, it wasn't an option. And when we we did stuff that worked with our family, we did our devotions at supper time when they're all around the table. We had, Maddie had to go get the book and we read the book, we asked them. We had a great devotion book when they went to bed at night. Maddie was the first one in bed. She didn't like that, but that's because she was the youngest. We'd we all get on our knees around her bed. We'd go youngest to oldest and that's how we'd pray every night as a family. I didn't care if they prayed Sometimes Mal wanted to pray for five minutes and Zach would be like, help me! Because she, Lord, thank you for the noodles we had today. Thank you for the kids and thank you. And she would name 55 million things. And Zach was just, please, I just want to go, just pray and be done. Anyway, that's how we did the prayer. We set a precedent. We gave them boundaries. They Listen to what I'm telling you. They felt safe. It was part of who we were and what we did on her up, on her down, on her all around. It was part of we respected the family. Then she went to bed, and then, you know, it was time for the others to go to bed. And when they went to bed, we would just pray and say goodnight to them. We didn't have to gather around the bed again. We did that with just the one child, and then we just prayed individually as we, hey, thanks, you, you, were, you were great today. You sleep good, you know, we love you. And that's when Kim would rub their back and do Psalm, 90, uh, Psalm 91, 92, I'm sorry, 12 through 15. And so she would, she would say it out loud. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. And she, I mean, she would say that and scratch their back and say, I love you. You're gonna do great things for God. Don't miss it. And she would look at them with those beautiful eyes of hers and they would look at her and say, I love you, mommy. And I would look at the boys and point at them and they'd point back at me or I'd come in there and I'd ruffle their head and, you know, whatever. What's the law of the house. You know, for us, I told them stories. That was just part of the law for me. But I didn't, I didn't, I tried to stay with this law in the house. But as far as what I did, with that, now listen to what I'm saying. I put my, my six, what we could do with our mind and with our muscle into our children. And God said, I'll put my hand on that. Are we perfect? No. Would we change some things? Probably, but not his hand, just mine. We put limits on our kids. With vi- I didn't let our kids play video games till the cows come home. Did the cows come home? <laughs> but we put time limits on them. I made, I made our boys sign contracts. You might be like, You were tough. I'm not trying to be tough. I'm just trying to put the law in the house, on her up, on her down, all around. Because we said that playing video games was a privilege. So if they were gonna dishonor one another or us, the privilege got taken away. And that we had, I had a contract that said that, and they agreed to it. They signed it and I signed it. Because you know why? I didn't have that at first. And they're like, that's not what you said. So I'm like, okay, let's play this Perry Mason. And it worked. And they're like, okay, cool. But you know, not all kids work the same. I could tell Mallory, you are not going to play your Nintendo. Remember those? You're not going to play it. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> I very rarely had to discipline her too much. The boys, if I said, you are not playing PlayStation or whatever, they'd be like, oh, you can't do that. You're so mean. I mean, so it would just work different for different kids. But just give them boundaries. So we, we just set like an hour and a half for the day. They could play it however they wanted, but they had an hour and a half. And if they did some things that were like above and beyond and we said, what do you want to do? I want to, can I play more? We give them like 30 minutes more time or something like that. But because it was watched, I hope that makes sense. You can't shape, you can't sharpen and you can't launch or shoot them if you don't do your part. If you don't put what God has given you into their lives, you have to take time to mold them and and just start pointing them towards their destiny. What do you want to do? What are your strengths? Your kids all have strengths. You know what they are. Foster those and help those. If you have a hands-off approach, the bow's going to be empty because the enemy's already going to shoot it. You're going to have to get a hold of this. Honor up, honor down, honor honor all around. What is the law of the house? What is the main thing? I remember Amy sent me a video of Sonny And Sonny's walking around their house. Now, Sonny is the same, pretty much a month younger than Arrow, something like that. He's walking all around. He kind of walks like Godzilla, kind of walks like, walking all around. All you can see in her house is Sonny's toys on this video. And I said, man, he has got, I mean, we went to his party. He got some kind of electric little car, like looks like from Lost in Space. And you can see him just gliding back across from, I'm like, he's got tons of toys, Amy's face was adorable. So, this is what she, she looks at me and she goes, He needs them. <laughs> you know what? That baby was 10 years in the making, 10 years coming, believing, praying. Come on. So, all the times the enemy had said, You're never going to have a child. She wasn't supposed you know, it's not going to happen. You can't. And you know what? God said, The seventh hand, I'm going to take care of that. So you, you mold your kids. You start taking care of them. Third John 4 says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. When God puts his hand on your efforts, you can't fail. What is the law of your house? Remember, without God, you can do nothing eternal. No, no great spiritual uh, thing that's going to last you can't do anything spiritually good. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When that seventh hand is on your life as a dad, a mom, a parent, a grandparent, a business owner, a church leader, we need that seventh hand in this pandemic. We need that to say, God, how do we do that? How do we make things flourish? How do I go about this? Should I, I don't want to be afraid. You need that seventh hand. You are not fighting alone. Now, I'm about to finish this up, okay? Goliath was six cubits. Now think about it, remember? That's how they measured. Six of those, so he's nine feet six inches tall. Everybody say six. The Bible says he has six fingers and six toes. Six, six, six. Revelation says the number of the Antichrist is six, six, six. And six is the number that man can produce. That's man's influence, man's endeavor, man's You know, I'm doing what man can do. The enemy wants so bad to be like God, but he can't get past six. Every time he wants a seven, he can't get seven. He can only get six. So Goliath taunts David. Six, 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 wants him to come down and and he wants to take, you know, I'm going to take you out. But yet there is the seventh hand. David's got his sling and stone. and Now, you got to understand, this is David. David is like, you are not going, think about what I'm, we're talking about honor. You are dishonoring my God, and I've had enough. Have you ever had enough? And he says, it ends right now. I'm going to come out there, and I'm not going to wear Saul's armor. I'm going to take what I know I can do. I'm going to do what I know I can do because I know God is with me, and you are going down today and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. I'm going to cut your head off. And that's the only way Goliath was going to get ahead. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, But David goes, he gets his sling, and he hurls it, Now, this is what I want you to understand. You need to see this. David is doing what he can do. Nobody supernaturally made David pick him up and, go. all right, okay, go ahead and put this in your hand. No, David went down and said, I have had enough. And God has given me the ability to be good with this sling and stone, and you will not say another word about my God. I'm going to shut you up today. The seventh hand comes after David says, I've done all I can do. I believe that seventh hand said, shh, that rock comes out and he says, <sniffs> You got to do it. God is not going to do what you can do or you're supposed to do. He's not going to do that. He is waiting. People, I'm just waiting on God, brother Brett. I'm just waiting on God. I get it. And there are some cases that you have to be waiting on God. But in most cases, God is waiting on you, y'all. He's waiting on you to go, you know what? I've got, I'm doing everything I can do. I need that seventh hand. Come on, somebody. I need God's hand of grace, God's hand of mercy, God's hand on my life, his anointing for my children and my family. What is the law of your house? What you can't complete because we got six, he can because he's got the seventh hand. This is, what, this is what I, I feel, and I'm going to close. Have you ever did a jigsaw puzzle, and you lost the one piece? Somehow you put it all together, and one piece is gone. And you're like, oh, I just spent 14 hours putting this 2,000-piece puzzle together, and there's a piece missing. God is the one that says, I got it. Puts it in there and says, done. Mark 11, 23, 24, those are great scriptures. Look those up. But basically, it just says we believe when we pray, not when it shows up. So I know when I pray, he hears me, and I know he hears you. And what I'm asking God, when I don't see things happening, I know that the seventh hand is still there. I know that if I don't see it, I'm gonna keep praying. I know that if it's not what I'm wanting, you know that I'm relying on God, I'm gonna keep praying. I know that it seems like I just... God, I can't take anymore. I'm gonna keep standing. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna shoot, and I'm gonna launch. I'm gonna cover. I'm gonna rebuke. I'm gonna bind. I'm gonna call in. I'm gonna do whatever God is calling me to do because that seventh hand is what we need we'll get past this pandemic we will and i am pray for great things for every one of you and all your family and your kids they need strength they need somebody that says god is bigger god is greater and i'm looking at them would you bow your heads close your eyes